What would happen if you gave a raw news feed out and blasted out to the product team, Molly? Uh, nobody would read that. Zero? Well, people may <laughs> click on the links that are of interest to them. I think you want to keep drawing the eyes up to what it means. You know, the news is one piece of understanding where that market direction is. Six months, a year, two years, what is my space? Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and today I was joined by Molly Gallagher Bodie, the Senior Competitive Intelligence Manager at Data. This episode today is for anyone that's in Compete that's looking for tactics on how to best work with your product teams. Molly shares with me what she does day to day with product managers in her Compete role and how they work best together. Then she shares what goes into building solid compete deliverables for product teams. Specifically, she shares how she builds out a competitive newsletter, what matters for the product teams, and then also how she builds out battle cards that are specific for her product teams and why they care about them. Then lastly, she also gets into the three ways that Compete needs to get involved in product launches and really how they can ease the burden of product marketers because they take on a damn lot when it comes to -to go-to-market motions and Compete should and can be a resource for them. Molly is super passionate about this topic as you'll hear throughout the conversation. I know our audience have been asking how to best partner with product teams and Molly goes deep on it. She shares strategies, tactics, real examples, the whole gambit. All right, with that all said, let's get into today's episode. All right, today I'm joined by Molly Gallagher Bodhi, the Senior Competitive Intelligence Manager at Dado. She also had five years of experience across not only the research side as an industry analyst at a third party research firm, but in CI and strategy management roles at startups as well. Molly, Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for the opportunity, Adam. You know, I was super excited. We talked a little bit last week about how I've been like a long time lurker. So I feel like it's almost like a, you know, informal career goal, right? To a career milestone to, to get onto the podcast. So I'm super excited to, to be here today. Didn't pair to say that. That's, I'm beyond flattered. We had Dustin on from Dado earlier. And we were chatting all about how Compete supports product. And then he directed me your way and said, okay, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty here, if you really want to dive deep into this whole Compete product partnership, Molly is your person. So really, I should be thanking you for joining me today and going even deeper into this complex relationship that is product management, product teams, and competitive intelligence. It's a great topic. And as you know, um, lucky to work for Dustin. And I think a lot of what we're going to talk about today actually is a good follow up or a part two almost to the podcast that he did with you a few weeks ago. So I'd encourage everybody to go out and look um, at it. And, you know, I think maybe a good place to kick off too is to you know, pick up where he left off, which was talking about like sales and solution engineers as kind of that middle ground between product and sales. But I mean, I know that people are making the decision to sometimes have CI sit in product. So, you know, I guess that's sort of where my perspective will come into the picture a little bit. For the listeners, if you haven't checked out episode with Dustin yet, go check it out. An awesome setup. But today specifically, with Molly is we're going to get into the product and compete partnership. We're also going to get into sort of what kind of deliverables you're bringing to the product teams on this ongoing basis. And then at the end of the session, we're going to look at the three things 
that competitive intelligence should be involved in during product launches and that go-to-market motion. You shared a ton, a ton. My, my notebook is full from our conversation last week. And there's, there's some really interesting perspectives about how Compete should be informing those product launches. So as you mentioned, let's kind of lead off from the conversation with Dustin. And as a little refresher, how does your Compete team operate and partner with the product team right now at Dado? Yeah. So, you know, as you just said, um, and, and again, Dustin went through this, but right now we actually sit in the SE organization, the solution or sales engineering organization. So technically we're labeled as part of the go-to-market organization. And I do think that that's very important for the fact that, you know, you're tying your goals to revenue improvements. But that said, the SEs have that kind of technically dangerous side while they also understand that go-to-market motion. And so that has helped us to be closer to the product team. And I won't dive into this overall, but I think that there's you know, a theme that we need to pick apart a little bit here, we know, right, that oftentimes CI sits with product marketing, and there's obviously that very close product connection and that need within product teams. So I guess what I would say is today in our organization, the solutions or sales engineers and the CI group, they're almost orchestrators. Uh, They need to bring all of the different groups, whether that's sort of the front end of the business and sales and the product group together and bring product more into that front of the business motion. Totally. And I mean, this is a common thread in many interviews, conversations I had about this sort of like midpoint. You're, You're kind of this facilitator of conversation. You're trying to Kind of break down silos. I'm sorry for I. It's it's five minutes into the recording and I dropped a cliche already. That's strike one for me. I promise I won't do another one. Specifically, when it comes to your product team, what have you noticed that they care about most when it comes to competitive intel? Now you've brought them into the conversations. They're seeing a little bit more about the front end of the business. What have you noticed in your experience that they're really starting to care about? So I actually think even though today we're talking about launch, you're going to hear me reference like pre-launch and then the entire life cycle quite a lot, because I, I really do think that product is looking for a partner, almost a sounding board. Dustin had mentioned in the last episode that our CI team is aligned to particular products. And that wasn't an accident because it's not just about the sales team. It is about serving the product team. Because my experience, you know, not just in my current role, but overall in the past has been that to really get buy-in from the product team, you need to understand the product that they're working on. It's their baby, right? And it, they, they know everything about it. I mean, they they live, they breathe, they, they dream about this product as, as right they should. And so CI needs to be aligned to the product that they're working on to do that. And then I think, you know, they need to understand that part of the business and be walking with them even before that, those launch activities, there needs to be kind of this, this research phase that takes place before you even have created the product. And of course, this is best case scenario, right? And we can pick this apart. A good product team will iterate on their products. Obviously, that goes without saying. They're going to make them better and better. But I also think that a very good product manager, they want the end customer to have the very best experience that they can at day one. Because you know, again, that is their work at play. And they care then about that, that strategy about what the market is is asking for. So I think that that's what the product team cares about. They want a consultant who's going to walk with them and really understand the, the exact product that they're working on. I, I think the you mentioned this like consultative approach being a consultant. Is it is there value in being 
having that perspective of someone that's just slightly removed, like you're, I'm sure you, you have a deep understanding of these product lines, not to the degree that a product manager would, but you have a little bit more separation. You can zoom out and look at a bigger picture and kind of bounce that off of them. Whereas as you mentioned, a product manager, it's their baby. Like this is their laser focus. Something that I talk about a lot that I think makes really good CI is not just looking at the competitors in your space, maybe even going outside of your vertical, if you're in a vertical business and understanding trends more broadly. And I think that that's where the product team wants to be involved, right? They, they need to go through an innovation process. And I think they want to, but to the point you're making about being narrowly focused, I, don't, I think they don't have a choice but to be narrowly focused in some regard. There's a lot to do in a small amount of time. Um, talk about orchestration. The product managers certainly are doing orchestration. And so I feel that I can come in and take a much broader view that actually goes beyond the industry that we're in, beyond the vertical we're in. And even if you think about somebody like Apple, right, you can think about end user experiences and almost just be that sounding board and say, does that make sense to you, right? When you think about what's best practice, not just now, but five years from now. And so continuing to drive that consultative kind of, I guess, future facing approach is what's really important to the product team. And they really do appreciate it when you can bring that that to bear early on in the development process. You've started to answer this next question a little bit for me, but how are their needs different to your typical end user consumer in AE, for example? Yeah, that's such a great question. So let me take the part about the AEs first, because I actually think that the AE's focus on increasing sales is at the end of the day where product wants to be, but there's some nuances there. So I think on the question of AEs, and, and you know, I won't sort of go deep into this because I know you cover this on many of your podcasts, but I'd be remiss if I wasn't talking about how Clue helps inform the AEs and how some of those metrics that you're getting from Clue actually drive AE buy-in. So what I love about sales teams is that typically they've got fire, right? Like they're driven to make those numbers exceed them and to, you know, kill every goal. So once you can show them that something works, once you can show them that you're improving their win rates, all it takes is a couple of sales leaders to start leveraging Clue. And then all of a sudden every month, you know, our, our rep from Clue is reporting these numbers to us. Sales is seeing that it's working and they're using the cards. So it's all about that that bottom line and about them meeting their goals. And I think that that's great because you can't you can't perform well if you're not tracking what you need to track. And Clue helps us to do that. But then I I actually think that selling the product is also product's ultimate goal. It's just sometimes there's a more roundabout way of getting there, right? So I mentioned a second ago that because it's their baby, they want to have a very they want to have the best product that they possibly can, and they want to keep iterating on it. So what they are left with then is the very hard task of prioritization in terms of features, in terms of needs, because you only have so much time in the day and so many resources. So whereas, you know, with the AEs, you just have to tell them, like, what are those kill points, right? Where you're going to sell this product versus competitors? What's the overall story? I think product needs to get even deeper into that feature list and start to understand customer use cases, right? If I'm thinking both short and long term, can you help me with this really difficult prioritization exercise? And I know this is probably going to lead us more down the path of battle cards, but you know, I think great product teams, they really want to know what everybody else is doing in a deep feature specific kind of way. And we will get into that shortly. 
But just before we dive into sort of, yeah, like the the deliverable standpoint, I think listeners, you've given like a re- painted a really vivid picture about what this partnership should look like. But then there's also like the, okay, how can I act on this? What can I provide? What can I start doing? And we'll get into that shortly. But there was one other thing you mentioned as well in terms of how you as, as someone working closely with the product team in the world of CI, you also mentioned acting as sort of a a liaison, I suppose, with analysts and that analyst relationship. So how, how does that work for you as a CI person? And what are you kind of bringing to the table for the product team there? Yeah, so this is very important to me. And I know, Adam, we've talked a little bit about it just because of my background. So I came from a third party analyst firm. We had both, you know, syndicated ongoing research of major IT companies, and also custom research that we do for large clients. And I got to sit on both sides of the business. And I think that this opened my eyes to the power of data, right? And the power of repetitiveness. Because if you, if you think about product launches from, I guess, the angle of product manager or even a product marketing manager, at most companies, how often are you really launching a product that's net new? It probably depends if we're talking about SaaS companies on on sort of the age of the company, the maturity of the company, how large they are. But in general, you just can't get the same data set when you're working on a narrow set of products as you can when you deal with an analyst group who talks to everybody. And so, you know, I've, I've said several times in the podcast, what are some of the things that great product teams do? I think one of the things great product teams teams do is they understand the value of leveraging an analyst firm early and often. Again, with that consultative viewpoint, they're bringing to bear data from across industries, across clients. And when you think about even just the basic message, the analyst firm is somebody that you can bounce that off of. And we're going to talk about pricing and packaging later, but that's another place where I think you really need the value of third-party data to start filling out what you already have. I think internally, a lot of us who've done this for a while, product teams, product marketers, CI leaders, you know, we know what a good pricing, what a good packaging model is going to look like because we've done our research, but you can never do enough validation. And I think sometimes you want to be innovative and that's where, you know, CI plus that third-party analyst firm can come in and, and start to help you do some of that by leveraging other people's experiences that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. Let's get into some nitty gritty here. Let's get into some of the deliverables because we've you've kind of laid out at a high level what product teams care about, but you got to deliver it too. So first of all, you mentioned offline that there's your competitive newsletter to the product team. So what what does your newsletter look like? What makes it work for a product manager, anyone on the product team? You know, it's funny when we talked offline, one of the things I said to you is I had a really wrong perception of doing news when I first started in this type of job about competitive um, research. I thought that like news was like an intern job, right? And that you shouldn't, you know, perhaps be doing it as you move into those more manager jobs, maybe leadership jobs. But what I actually came to realize a few years back is that the news should be the basis for everything else that you're doing. And having somebody else go out and collect the news isn't really your best bet to, to, to get success and get buy-in with the product team. Because as I already mentioned earlier in the podcast, you really have to know what's going on with the market. And it's not just about reporting the news. And that's the other piece that I came to realize. So to your question about you know what matters about the news, what matters about the news is how you distill it for the product team. Because again, they don't have a ton of time. And let's say you're taking like a competitor that's not 
in one of your tier one competitors, but they're still kind of uh, an indicator of what's going on in the industry, you need to tell them in a sentence why their recent earnings matter. What about it should they be looking at? They don't have time to go through a bunch of investor relations documents, but you are there to say, hey, you need to look at how this particular product is performing. And I think that being able to distill talking about nitty gritty for the product team. I mean, these are technically minded people who also tend to have strategic experience. They need answers to how particular products that are similar to the products they're working on are working out in the market for competitors. So that's just one example I'd give. I think, you know, earnings is is one that we don't spend maybe enough time on in general across the industry. It's like, you know, look at how that product line is performing and then distill that information. So that's one thing that I, I like to make sure no matter where I'm, I'm at, that that's in the newsletter. And the other thing is Clue now has brought a scalability with the newsletter. What I mean by that is instead of just sending out an email version of any news that we've collected during the week, we can use Clue as the base of our source material because it collects all of it for us with the alerting. And the other thing that it does, which I think is amazing for CI teams, is it drives all the readers, including product teams, back to Clue as a source of information. And maybe something that we should touch on a bit is, you know, how do product teams use the CI platform? I think the news is one of the primary ways that you point them back to your single source of truth, which in our case is Clue. So we get buy-in that way. We keep calling their attention to the fact that, hey, if you have a question, you don't need to figure it out yourself. It actually exists here on this platform. And the news is a weekly reminder of that for them. And I think it really assists our team, honestly, in getting that usage up, if you will. What, what, what's that journey then for a, uh, a product manager? You, you mentioned, if, I'm, if, if I hear you correctly, sort of, you've got the news. You're not just reporting the news. You're going to distill it. It's almost copywriting. Like, what's that one hook point? Why it matters that will then lead them to click on and read more? Like, wh- where, what's next for a product manager if they've, they've seen Molly's new newsletters out? There's four or five pieces that are really enticing me. Once I want to learn more, what are you sharing next that it keeps them hooked and is informing them on the, on the landscape? So once they're hooked, the next thing that I've seen happen in the process is that that's when the outreach happen, happens and the real conversations happen. And maybe that drives back to one of the earlier points I was making. And I know you cover this in a lot of podcasts, but if you're on a CI team, your goal, right, is to be that orchestrator. And so you have to prove out your value first, right? You have to show that kind of legitimacy that you understand what's going on in the in the market. So in my opinion, the newsletter has always acted for me at a number of organizations as a jumping off point. And then people start to say, wow, you know, that's a really interesting take. I didn't think of it that way. Maybe we should talk. And then all of a sudden you have this cadence of meetings, right, where you're starting to kind of review some of this with them. And then further on down the line, as you get to know the product better, you as the CI lead for that product can start to more closely relate the news to the product. And then over time, that becomes almost relating what competitors are doing to the feature level. And by the way, that comes back then and starts to feed your other collateral, like battle cards. So it's serving product because it's getting more and more usable for them, but it's also serving you because as a CI leader, because now you have products buy-in. And you're able to come into these meetings with them and make use of what competitors are doing weekly in the news. You mentioned this newsletter is a starting off point because I think that, again, I've talked to many folks, listeners, and I love the questions of people just getting into the world of competing. It's like, where do I kick off? Where do I provide value early? And a newsletter is something you don't even need advanced tech for. 
it, it's part of that brand building. It's part of that awareness internally. Like this is, there is someone out there that is tracking what the what's going on in the market, what competitors are doing, and it slowly starts to build those relationships. is It's a soft skill. It's not going to happen overnight, but it is this pillar of a newsletter that provides concise context and also, I think, a regular cadence too. So there's an expectation that you're always going to hear something about competitors from X, from Y. It's simple, but it's so effective uh, across a multiple multiple ways as well. Yeah. And, you know, this is a really basic point, but I didn't bring it up. You know, coming back to the product team's time again, I think doing news collection in terms of understanding what competitors are now offering is really important to the product team, but they just don't have time. Right. And so it's so important that you're taking that off their plate. And I think that that also is a quick win for you when you start at an organization to show the product team that you care about their success as well. What would happen if you gave a raw newsfeed out and blasted out to the product team, Molly? What would happen? Uh, nobody would read that. Zero? Well, <laughs> you know what? Actually, people may click on the links that are of interest to them. But my statement back to you on that would be, it may not be what I thought was most important, right? Because going back to that earlier conversation we had about bringing a more strategic and consultative view, I think you want to keep drawing the eyes up to what it means six months down the line, because it's all well and good to build a product for what the market is doing right now. But what if next month, every single one of your competitors has a new framework that they're building in and you kind of missed, you know, the news is one piece of understanding where that market direction is, but you can't read it as it is on the page. You have to interpret, okay, six months, a year, two years, what does my space start to look like? There's like an alignment you're building there too. If you just if you just start flooding news feeds, like people might have an interest and go look, but now you you're pretty much fostering people to go pigeonhole, go into their own silos to do their own research, have their own thoughts and takes on it, which is it becomes a lot harder to kind of organize the competitive chaos of it all. And I also I think your first point, I love this term of you're the consultant that kind of has this 360 view and you're kind of facilitating you're orchestrating whereas if you hand that off to someone that's more junior or completely external that doesn't know your space then what are you doing it's just this isn't a tick box it's actually a really strong foundation and specifically to how you can unlock this partnership with product teams which is this not that people are really struggling to crack right now on that idea of the newsletter being a way that you can actually draw the product team to certain features that are becoming important in the market, an experience that I had in a past role is that that led to really big things in terms of getting alignment on the roadmap. So obviously the product marketing team is involved and product managers make the final call here. But I saw these sort of takes on the market evolve into an actual sort of innovation group. So this was a monthly meeting where I'd sort of bring up the biggest topics that I was seeing in the market from a feature perspective. Like we saw three competitors all release something overlapping or similar. All of a sudden you're bringing this up. And I think just the act of getting it on products radar and discussing what it means to the customer, all of a sudden that next release has something around that story written into it. So you're assisting product marketing with the story, you're assisting the product managers with what to do, but also all of a sudden you have this great process in place for innovation. Whereas before you were trying to catch up, right? With, with what was going on in the market. And now you're almost leapfrogging the market because you've got a bunch of voices in the room. And all of that started 
essentially with collecting the news because it's the basis of understanding where the market's going. So I don't want people to think, hey, I'm just collecting the news because I think it can develop into really big things for your relationship with the product team. I love that story. That's, that gives it, that makes it feel so tangible, but coming, coming from you, listening to some of your experience too, it, if you've just listened to the last like six minutes of conversation and you're not immediately thinking about how to build a news site, then I don't know what I can do for you. That is the starting point. And to the next point, let's get into some battle card stuff because you think battle cards, you think sales and rightly so. Like they are often your first user, your primary audience to a degree. It makes sense because battle cards kind of lend themselves to tactical, usable in the moment information. However, what you and the Datto team have been doing to build battle cards are actually satisfying the needs of your product team. It's incredible. Like these, you're doing a really, really good job. So what's your secret? So I don't know that there's a single secret, but I'll echo some of what Dustin said and then maybe take it a click deeper so that you understand why we landed there. I think one of the things is to focus on feature comparisons in the battle cards. For the sales team, I think there's a lot of emphasis put on almost SWAT type work. That's what I've seen in the past anyway. When when you think about a battle card, right, you're almost thinking from a from a swap perspective, like where do I have to watch out for this competitor? And then where can I just say, hey, we are better. But I think for the product team, that's a little too high level, right? It's it's more nuanced for the product team. And so they want to go a click deeper and get into that feature functionality. So we have made sure that we've set up almost like a lab type environment where we can use our analysts and third-party sources to get us to understand what other people are offering from features. So I need to pause here and talk about sort of ethically doing CI. It is not ethical for you to go out and look at what your competitors are doing yourselves. And that is why, you know, again, you need third parties to do some of this work for you, but they can go out and and they can help you understand what's really being offered in the market and kind of break that down from what you're just seeing on a competitor's website. So with that in mind, if analyst relations and you know, market research is a core tenant of your CI program. If that's in place, then you as the CI person are enabled then to go ahead and start building out feature functionality in your battle cards. And here's a place where you can use your SEs because the other source of information is the SEs know what's being offered and what's not being offered because they're hearing it on sales calls. And they also know from your own product what is, you know, working and not working at a deep level. And so the SE should be leveraged to build out this feature functionality. In addition, I think I really like when I when we talk in the battle cards about features that are differentiating versus ta- features that are table stakes, because I think what can happen as a product manager is everything's important. We talked about building high quality products and how that's really the drive of a product manager. And they want everything. And it makes perfect sense. I mean, if I were building the product, I would want it to be as close to perfection as possible. But at the end of the day, you have to understand what is necessary in an MVP or then later on in a more mature product to actually play in the market. So what are those table stakes, for lack of a better term, you know, items? And then what are the few differentiators that you can really, really do well? They might even be, you know, intangible things like the user experience, right? But you need to draw products attention to those so that they can start to understand one, what do I need to just compete? And then over time, what's actually going to help me win with this product? So, I mean, I'm sure there's more I could say, but I'll, I'll stop there. I think that's for product kind of the, the secret to, to good battle cards is in the features. 
and they're a more technical audience, right? They don't they don't need that high level depositioning talk tracks. But in terms of the feature functionality, you've got like your table stakes versus your differentiated features or functionality. That's the stuff that really sets you apart that you can win on or that you're losing on. What kind of information would be on that your table stakes or differentiation? Because they know how the product works really well. But like, are, are you bringing in a lot of sentiment from sort of like, I guess, like, is it is it customers? Is it what you're hearing from prospects? What's demoing well? Like what customers are loving or hating in terms of that feature itself? Like where, where do you validate the intel that's saying this is just table stakes or this is a game changer right now? Let's drill for oil here. It's more than one source. And that's why I mentioned the SEs first, because they're on a lot of sales calls. So they'll be able to bring some of that color. But going back to what I was saying earlier about having like an analyst program in place or third party research that you're leveraging, I think that's another place. I mean, often, right, even in syndicated research, if you're not paying for a custom piece of research, you'll have syndicated reports from third parties that break down everybody's features. And those tend to be pretty honest assessments, right? Because the vendors want to have the analyst's ear. So I think you should be leveraging those. The other thing, without going too deeply into it, is your win-loss program should probably be proving some of this out. And so you're starting to see all these things fit together as you gain maturity as a CI program. But if you do have a win-loss program in place, and maybe you you have a select group of customers that you're able to go out to, you can start to figure out pretty quickly where you won and where you failed against your competitors. And then that needs to be repeated back into the battle cards and highlighted for the product team. Because I think sometimes everything's important, so nothing's important. So when you can say that it actually came from a customer, that's when you start to grab products' attention and they want to create a great experience. So they're going to do something about that at that point and prioritize that. So your win-loss is absolutely key here. And you need to get those case studies back into your battle cards. As you're talking more and more here about supporting product teams with competitive deliverables, Intel, although they want deeper insights and more technical insights, it's it's a lot more detailed than something you provide a seller. At the end of the day, there still needs to be that magic dust that a compete professional does that explains why it matters, adding context, whether it's in your newsletter, whether it's in your battle cards, that you're really adding the context to why they should care about this. Otherwise, it still becomes just a list that they can gloss over, I suppose. I try to go into every conversation with product, with that strategy consultant hat on. And they are the technical expert. I'm not there to be the technical expert. What matters is that I'm covering their space deeply. It, it, it's, it's less important that I understand every nuance of how the product works. Now that said, do I think that CI professionals should be getting on demos and perhaps even learn to demo themselves? Yeah, I, I actually think it's really important because then you can start to draw out why some of these things are important. But I don't think that anybody's asking the CI professional to fill the technical lead role. So I think that you make a really good point. It needs to be a balance, right? Of that strategic, of that tactical, of that technical and soft skill. CI brings so much of that together, which I think is you know, one of the challenges of the role, perhaps. One of the added benefits that kind of goes unsaid with all of this is now you've got a stakeholder group in that you're delivering value to, you're showing value to, and now you can utilize them to power, fuel, whatever buzzword I want to throw in here, your own competitive database. They know their product so well, they're going to start informing you about things that you didn't know. You have a new Intel source kind of coming in from the product side. Dustin mentioned that like you really want to start with sales because they kind of build out your competitive database the quickest way possible. And 
from prospects and customers and whatnot. But getting the product team involved too, now you've got another lever to pull, so to speak, in terms of fueling the competitive database. I like them to review the battle cards too. So I don't know if that's been brought up yet, but I like product to say, yeah, that that makes sense versus our product from a technical standpoint. Totally. It's like, does it pass the sniff test? Again, we always talk about it with sellers. It is this language marketing lingo or is it actually something a seller will use or seller sees in the heat of a deal? Same thing with product. If you're putting a battle card that's baloney, then they're not going to use it. You've lost credibility. So using them as that touch point for delivering Intel, but also proofreading, checking on it, really, it, it, it becomes a weight off your shoulders too. To close this thing out, I want to get into a little specifically around how Compete should work within product launches. We could go a whole nother hour on this, but you have some great points about how this works. And I want to just kind of preface all of this with like, I understand how Compete operates. It isn't one size fits all at all. For example, in smaller companies, Clue included, Compete will fall under the purview of product marketing or it sits in product marketing. And that's totally okay. But at these a bigger, more mature organization like Adato, for example, you've noticed that in order to really nail the competitive aspect or the competitive elements that are needed for a successful product launch, it requires a separate team or individual to just a product marketer in, in terms of like, yeah, successful product launch. So why is that? It's actually not dissimilar to what I was saying earlier about the product team. Once you've hit launch phase, especially... I think product marketers just have so much on their plate. I mean, if you think about it, the product manager is responsible for bringing the actual product all the way into GA, but that product marketer is responsible for everything else about it, the pricing, the packaging, and working with product on all of this. As much as I talked about products being, you know, the product teams, baby, I think the same is also true for the product marketer that's that's leading the charge because they've set all of the positioning. And so where I think CI really starts to come into the picture is by being their closest ally. I think that you should be talking to your product marketing lead most days. You should be making their job easier. And Adam, you probably were waiting for me to bring this up. I know I talked about it a bit offline, but one of the toughest things that I had to figure out for myself, as I sort of came of age in, you know, the competitive intelligence world was that strategy roles, CI roles, they're not the owner of any one workflow. They are the enabler of several workflows. And so you don't want to step on the toes of the product marketer or, or the product manager, you know, for that reason. But what you need to do is set yourself up to be product marketing's ally and take some of that stuff off their plate. So let me give you an example. I think one of the best places where CI can step in is early on in that launch process with positioning. Your positioning is only as good as what you know about the market. And actually, Clue has had some good and hilarious posts about that this during the week on, on LinkedIn that actually I've taken to heart and, and thought about a bit. But you don't want to necessarily be just like your competition. I think that there's there's a middle line, right? As a CI professional, you should be looking at your competitor's messaging and saying, okay, so there's kind of a band that you can fall within if you're targeting the same customer segment. Like, you know, if other successful companies have done it and their earnings are proving that out, then yeah, probably their marketing's working for them. But at the same time, you can't re replicate their marketing. And so I think that's where CI can start to say, I've just read so many different 
competitor messages at this point, and I've sat with them for a while, and that's where you can start to consult product marketing. And that's just one example, but I think it's that strategy, it's that research piece, and being able to be a sounding board for the product marketer who has a lot going on. So positioning is one part where you're you're not taking off a product marketer's plate, like that's bread and butter, but you're assisting, you're doing the research, you're similar to how you're being a liaison or an orchestrator, all of these, a facilitator. What, how many more how many more synonyms can we come up with here what 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 else would you be doing in a product launch where else do you think that compete should be taking stuff off the plate of a product marketer so to speak okay so i think actually packaging is a really interesting example so you know let me talk about that for a minute so i something similar applies just like with messaging i think with packaging you know what the last good option is so to speak you know how you've packaged products and services in the past and by the way, this is across every organization that I've ever worked with as a client or, you know, internally, you know what has worked for you, you know, probably what has worked for competitors, like you kind of have, after doing research, uh, started to understand the market standard a little bit. But what you haven't considered is how your customers might actually want to be packaging. And this is where you can do some additional research. And that is something I think you can move off the plate of the product marketer. What I mean by that. You, as a CI lead, can do some internal research. Again, if you have this win-loss kind of cadence already going, you might be able to you know, be an interview lead and talk to partners and customers about how they actually want to be purchasing your products and services. You may be able to get with the analyst firms to more generally understand the use cases across the market and how they think people in your market space are going to be purchasing in the future. And so I think part of this role of CI that maybe you know falls beyond the purview of a typical product marketing manager or product manager is to kind of push the envelope a little bit and test people to be innovative about how they're thinking about their pricing and packaging model, right? Maybe what you've done in the past isn't what you should do here. Obviously, you know, product marketing at the end of the day is going to be responsible for any survey results. But I do think that there's a level of research that CI can help to kind of push the envelope and make sure that it's what the market is really requiring. What kind of questions would you ask in a win-loss interview to get that insight on packaging? One that I always like is to ask it outside of the product that you're actually thinking about. It's almost like a last good experience question. If you had to outline your ideal state purchasing experience, what does that look like? And why? And because you're in an interview format, not a survey format, that gives you the chance to then really start probing on why that was good. Now, maybe they're talking about a consumer experience and maybe you're sitting on the enterprise side, but I think all these things are converging. Like again, you know, to bring up the Apple example, I think about what I do in my daily life. And I think some of that like ease, that self-service is starting to trickle down into enterprise and even SMB. And so your expectation for how things are, are priced and packaged are changing. So I think it's really important to ask about like ideal state experiences. And then you can help the team to think about, all right, well, how do we translate that ideal experience into whatever it is that we're selling, whether that's SaaS, whether it's PaaS, whether it's something else. You've got pricing, packaging, and positioning. You're supporting with product marketers on this, uh, easing the burden, so to speak. In order to do a lot of this, what I'm hearing from you is like, you need to do a lot of voice of the customer research. Now, how how does that operate for you right now at Dado? Do you lead that or is it like splitting the task with product marketing? Are you a system product? Like how does that work? Because voice of customer usually falls with product marketing as well, but 
you need to really nail that in order to inform some of these, the three P's that you've mentioned. It's such a great discussion topic. It absolutely falls with product marketing. And again, just to reiterate my point, the most important lesson that you have to learn as this, you know, CI lead on any product is that you're leading CI and, and you're not necessarily responsible, right? for some of these other workflows that are going on, but you can act as that consultant. And I would say that's exactly how it's worked for me at Datto, as well as at other places too, that product marketing is leading this research. And maybe you're there to help pull out some of the insights to help drive those questions a little further. And again, like, because I came from the analyst side, I think it's just always about questioning and, you know, I guess pushing the envelope, right? So that you can support product and product marketing to get that best result possible in that first launch. In your experience then from a product launch standpoint, where have you seen, if you had an experience going through it or where you've seen it kind of amongst others where Compete is falling short or where they're not even, they're hindering a product launch or not contributing to their fullest extent? So my biggest take on that is the best thing an organization can do is have different goals for CI throughout the process. And then don't just cut CI off because you've successfully launched that product into GA. You need to keep developing the product. We talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but every you know product manager that I've met, they want to really iterate on that product to make it the best they can be. And again, coming back to that prioritization exercise, that's where you can help them long-term. And I think, you know, Clue's posts on LinkedIn, again, are really good evidence of this. Like you never stop getting new competitors and people that maybe you didn't think were competitors that are from, you know, adjacent areas. You need to start looking at what they're doing because at some point you get convergence with a lot of SaaS, a lot of PaaS, a lot of technology products. And so I think that that's where you come in long-term into this product process is consistently drawing product's attention to new innovative competitors in the space, even if they're adjacent, and continuing to produce this kind of material that really supports what they're going to build next, but I think more importantly, why they're going to build it next. Can you give them a business case for doing this? Because again, you know, they need buy-in to get some of this done. And if you can prove that this is where the market's going, that there's you know, money behind this, then you know, you, you've done something big for product in, in proving out that value in that business case. I want to kind of wrap this up again with some, I want, I'd love to get an experience that you've had or where have you been most successful? Is there something that sticks in your mind where you as this compete professional, the voice of compete have really nailed something that's helped inform a product launch? You know, what's funny is I think it actually is training. It's at the end of that product launch. So I think everything you've done throughout a product launch is really supportive to the product marketing manager and the product manager. But as you get closer to the end of launch, what you do with the outside, the front end of the business starts to become really, really important. And you can't sort of lose steam here, right? That's where it becomes really important to translate everything you've told the product manager and the product marketing manager into tools for the sales team. And so I think my biggest successes and also where I like to focus my attention is on that translation layer, right? That that period between the handoff, moving from the internal team to how are we going to sell this thing? And if you can do training, you can do enablement as part of your CI job. If you can you know, allow your CI team to have a hand in your enablement program, I think that that is what translates into a successful product launch because the best product launch means that you then go on and you successfully sell that product in market. 
what I love about that too is how you're kind of breaking down the stereotype of competitive intel just being done in an office, back office only as a researcher, right? If you get involved in that piece of enablement, if you're consulting across different teams, you can see the tangible impact of where compete actually can support different parts of the business. Whereas, as you mentioned there, product launch, you've done your due diligence, but then you don't go to the front end of the business and start helping on that enablement side. Well, then I think you're doing all of the hard work you've done as a compete professional a disservice, really. And as we said earlier, I personally want to get all those insights back into the battle cards. Look, I mean, you can do all your due diligence in launch, but you're still going to find things out once you're in market that you weren't perhaps ready for. And that's in the best case scenario, right? It doesn't matter what company we're talking about. And you need to incrementally adjust. Everybody does. That's how you win. And I think CI is there to, to go with you through those incremental adjustments. And if you're using a platform like Clue, you want that feedback from the front end of the business so that you continue to hone the message and get the right information back to product as the, the particular product grows in maturity. Well, Molly, you're doing an incredible job with orchestrating the business to compete and succeed across every department. And I'm so happy you joined. We've had now two guests from Dado. Maybe we'll get some more. I would love to have you on again. Molly, where can people reach you if they have any kind of questions on this episode or anything like that? The best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. My name as it's here um, will be on LinkedIn. And I want to thank you, Adam. This has been a great conversation. I just love talking about this, as do you know all the compete professionals, right? Who this is their job, but also what they like doing, right? So I love listening to you talk about it too, Molly. This was so insightful. The notebook is full. And I really appreciate you kind of uncovering this, what seems to be one of the toughest nuts to crack, partner in between compete and product. So Thank you so much for your time and we'll catch everyone next week.